The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, now we want to talk uh, fishing, and uh, we are coming to you live from the Irish Skipper Expo at the University of Limerick. It's the only dedicated trade show event held for the fishing sector every year. Now, I'm joined uh, by the CEO of BIM, and that's uh, Caroline Bacall, the Economic and Strategic Services Director at BIM, Dominic Rian, and uh, Fisherman John Lynch. Good morning, one and all. Uh, John, we'll go to you as the man who's plying uh, his trade and plowing through the ocean wave. How is the fishing these days? Well, I suppose, Pat, fishing is like any other business nowadays. We're in a, a rebuilding phase and um, we're coming off the back of three big hits with COVID, Brexit, where, where the Irish fishing industry lost a lot of uh, quota in the trade and cooperation agreement with the UK. Yeah, the minister Brexit. was telling us earlier, it's about 15% of quota about 15% of quota, but it, it made up 25% of the income to the fleet. So it was um, high value, so high not, value, yeah, high value species that went, yeah. So, yeah. so what went? What uh, on our dinner <coughs> well, the table? Well, the biggest was 26% of the mackerel quota and the next biggest was 14% of the, the Dublin Bay prawn quota called uh, nephrops is the, the biological term. Now, mackerel used to be cheap as chips, but prawns never were. Prawns never were cheaper than they are now, but never cheap. But um, yeah, yeah. And so, so how are you coping, and and what are the challenges? Where, where, by the way, where do you sail out of? Where do you fish out of? Well, my my own vessel is out of Hoth, you know. But it, I do I do represent the Irish South and East Fish Producers Organisation, which has over sixty vessels as members. Yeah. So, so uh, in the Irish Sea, I mean, who fishes there now? Who's permitted to fish there? Uh, all EU fleets able to get in? Well, you. EU fleets that have access, so you have Ireland um, and Belgium now at the moment, and obviously the UK. But uh, the French, French vessels have access, but they don't. They haven't actually used it in a long time. You know, their, 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 their fleet is like ours; it's contracted because of decommissioning, and and, and they don't. Um, so they, they don't move as far into the Irish Sea as and, the, and that's the simply yeah. economic, is it? You it's know, the, simply an economic decision on their behalf. Yeah, I suppose with, yeah, with less the, quota and things like that. Yeah, less quota and the cost of diesel and all the rest. The cost of, of fuel is another of the big issues. And, the, third, and, the third big issue I was going to raise, which which is has has become a bit lighter lately, that the, the price of fuel has dropped <coughs> some, somewhat lately. Like this time last year, we were a couple of weeks into the war at, at the show last year, and um, fuel was 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 selling to the vessels at one twenty five. A litre, and this year it is down around seventy-one or two cent a litre. So that's a, that's a it's a, a big huge it's a big it's make. a big fallback, not back to where it was, but it's it's made a big difference to the fleet now. Yeah, uh, how many boats have been decommissioned in in Hoth? I think about three out of Hoth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so some decommissioning. Most of the decommission has been in the south and southwest. How how would you compare the income stream now compared to the, well, I was going to say the heyday of fishing, but we never really did have a heyday because when we joined the EU in 1972, we gave too much away. And I mean, I think that's agreed well, we by everybody. We didn't give any fish away in 1972, you know, we gave access. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, quotas didn't actually come in until yeah, the, but, the you 80s. Know, access yeah. is giving. Well, access was in them days, yeah. so everything, everything on, on all the... Um, you know, and the fishermen's protests and the arguments in them days were all around access and 50-mile limits and all that kind of thing. Um, and now that battle was lost. And successive ministers have always had to try to, try to fight a rearguard action to try and grab back some of what we gave away in terms of limiting access to others. And then when the quotas came in, fighting over quotas. Yeah, yeah. When the quotas come in, the Irish fleet, you know, was um, quota was done on track record, on your historical record of fisheries. And the Irish fleet was under development at the time, and we didn't have a full record of what we were catching. And we, we um, when the records came in, 
and we started to record. We only had, you know, we had only a partial picture of what we had yeah. been doing. So that's, we ended up with a lesser share because the share was done on your historical catches. Okay, and we didn't really know what um, we were Yeah, we didn't know what we were doing, you know, in terms of catching because we hadn't recorded it over the, the previous years, you know. Yeah. Now, the cynics would say, well, the fishermen didn't record their catches because they didn't want the tax man to know. Just well, I don't know about that. I was, I was, I was, I was about six years old, so, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, but, the, um, the I, don't, I wouldn't think so. I think it was just that, the, like, there were much smaller vessels that didn't have, sure. we didn't have logbooks and we didn't have um, mechanism for recording at that time. And, and then, as time moved on, how unequal a battle was it in terms of the technology that others had available to them compared to the historic state of the Irish fleet. Yeah, well, in fairness to the Irish fleet, once they got going, it caught up fairly quickly, you know, and you, you see the vessels that are in Ireland today, they're very modern vessels, they're safe vessels, you know. So the Irish fishermen have caught up. What's happened over the years is the fleet has consolidated. So several small boats have made a bigger boat, our boats have been decommissioned and that capacity has gone out of the fleet, you know. So that, that, that and this latest decommission was, was designed for them um, to, to, to alleviate the pressure that has been brought on by Brexit, by them quota cuts. Um, is there an appetite to go fishing? I mean, your brother runs your boat and your son. is My that brother right? Skipper's and my son is on board. Um, I have a nephew on board as well. Yeah, so there is an appetite for that kind of work. Oh, definitely for young people, if the, if, the, if, the, if, the, if the career is explained to them, and I've done a lot of work with Caroline, and she might speak to it a minute ago, on the BIM Training and Development Committee, and there's a new strategy, hopefully, to be launched soon. I think the board are discussing it today. So um, hopefully when that's launched, it'll show and give young people a pathway into fishing and show them an, a, an apprenticeship type of program where they can develop their skills right yeah. through a, a, a period. I mean, the obvious you know, from, ambition from the deck would be, right up, you know? you'd want to be a skipper in the end well, of the day. Well, obviously, no, no, nobody, nobody goes fishing to stay on the deck for 50 years. You know, you, yeah. you, um, you, you want to progress through and have a career, you know? right through the fishing sector. Now, what's your typical cash and where is where does it go? I mean, is it the, the Irish market, the French market? Yeah, it goes market? various, various, yeah, all, all, of, all of those, yeah, yeah. So it's it's mixed white fish and um, in, in, in the autumn time on our, our own particular vessel, we fish a lot of uh, ray, you know, into the Dublin market and some of that goes over to the UK and France. Yeah, now in terms of uh, Brexit and we know the deal that was cut that uh, lost you quota and so on in terms of trying to get the deal across the line, um, in practical terms, actually moving fish to the UK market, is that more complicated because of Brexit? Well, it is. There's a bit more certification, but I mean, it's still, it's still, it's still viable to do it. Yeah. And how much fish went through the land bridge, which now maybe has to take a longer route, or can you still use the land bridge to get to the French market? Uh, the land bridges can be used for processed fish, but it wouldn't, it's not, not usable now for live shellfish. You know, we have in, in our organisation, we have uh, seven scallop vessels that land or catch live scallops. And pre prior to Brexit, they were landing when they fished the fish part of the year in the English Channel. So they were landing into Shoreham and Plymouth in the UK. And that product was being transported over the land bridge and onward in, into Ross Lair and to, to their factory in, in, in Wexford for, um, for processing. Okay, but the scallops now, the live scallops? So now that scallop can't be landed in the UK because it would have to be processed and have a health certificate attached to it to, to come back into the European Union. So now it has to be landed in the European Union. So they're landing in France, in Cherbourg, and in, 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 in um, Belgium, in, in Zeebrugger. It, that Brexit, that damned Brexit. That Brexit is it, yeah. All the problems <laughs> it, it caused. It's very interesting to hear you, your account of, of life at sea. It is, uh, the times, because we hear of tragedies at sea, I mean, it's, it's sometimes a very dangerous life, I presume. The sea is unforgiving. Oh, it, it, it can be, it can be. And um, we, we, we've had a good, 
a very good track record lately and uh, absolutely with the help of BIM and all the, 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 the safety training that, that, that's done now with fishermen, it's really, it really has come on in leaps and bounds, you know, over the years. But unfortunately, we still do have um, tragedies, you know, and we had one a few weeks ago there, which is very unfortunate up in, up in Ballyglass. And, yeah. you know, you could just pass on your condolences to, to the family. You're, you're in the Irish Sea, of course. So, uh, you, Irish Sea and, uh, and the South Coast, the Celtic Sea. Do you meet the Russians at all? I've never met any Russians, no. <laughs> no, because obviously uh, whatever uh, entente cordiale there might be on the high seas between fishermen and so on, now that Russia, and I mentioned it earlier to the minister, that Russia is a pariah in the nations uh, of Europe. I mm -hmm. wonder, did relations change? Uh, Caroline, have relations changed with the Russians? I, don't, I can't speak to that, Pat, but certainly, you know, I, I think the, our relations with our European partners has never been closer. As John has said, you know, we're exporting directly to the EU now and there's certain challenges that come with that and we're supporting the sector and, you know, really working with the sector to try to maintain their profitability. Um, it's a hugely resilient sector. Um, it has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, one of our oldest industries, and it has constantly had to change and evolve. And this is another change and we're really working hard to help guide and support the sector yeah. through this. I mean, going back to the history of fishing, obviously there were always people fishing, but mm. um, fish was regarded as a penitent food. That's right, yeah. And it led to maybe the lack of development in the industry because Absol it was a one day a week Oh, absolutely. Food. I mean, we, we have a long history of associating it with poverty and religion. Absolutely. But I think new generations coming through now, I think they see it less in that way. You know, we have a new generation who see it in a different way. They see a really healthy, sustainable food source full of vitamins, good for you, uh, low fat, all of these good things that that fish can deliver into your diet. And I think they're much less associated with those issues that we would have had. You know, I would have certainly understood as a child. And we have much bigger opportunities now with the products and the, the, the fabulous fish that were produced off our coast. In terms of the total catch, how much is consumed at home? How much Quite is a very small amount is consumed at home. The vast majority is exported. But as, a, as fish eaters, we are on a par with some of our European neighbours and it is increasing. So we're seeing, as, as John has said, some of the fabulous uh, mackerel, the prawns that we're catching. We're eating more and more of them here. And uh, that's something that we're working with producers to make sure that as much of it can stay on the island as possible. Because, of course, it makes it even more sustainable it's fresher. We have some of the most pristine waters in the world. Yeah. And I'm wondering, uh, John, in terms of the if the competition in the marketplace, for example, at the fish market, and you have a prawn from Thailand or Kenya, and it's uh, fighting the price battle with the prawn from Dublin. How does that all work? Well, it, it, it really works on the, um, you know, it, in, in the prawn, in our prawns, in the Dublin Bay prawn situation, you're dependent on people knowing their market, you know, they know their product and they, they go and buy that product. Because if you're competing on price with Thailand or Kenya with, with those type of prawns, which are readily available, you, you, you wouldn't compete price-wise with that product. What you're doing is you're competing on a quality basis where the quality and the flavour is much higher in the Irish prawns than yeah. it would be in those. Now that Dublin Bay prawn, the fluffy prawn, which I mm -hmm. love, mm -hmm. how many of them are actually caught in Dublin Bay? <laughs> That's a secret, Pat. We can't reveal that. <laughs> anyway, it's the, it's the style of prawn we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Rather than its home. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a name that it carries out. And I use the name here because people understand it. Yeah. Whereas, uh, there is know. a technical yeah. name yeah. for, for yeah. that particular yeah. uh, prawn. Um, now, uh, Dominic, the, the whole question of the history of fishing and where we are now. I mean, uh, are we at kind of st stability and stasis or is there any capacity to grow? 
Well, I mean, we're, we're very much governed by the common fisheries policy and, and the, the limits set in the, the, the common fisheries policy around quotas, which are, you know, they're divided on a, a kind of proportional basis and that's set in, into the common fisheries policy itself. So in terms of the quota, our quota share remains remarkably stable. Fish go up, fish go down, and stocks go up. And do you keep a record of how the fleet is changing? Yeah. How it's maybe maximising in size yeah. while minimising in numbers? So the, the fleet, we have a fleet capacity ceiling set again by, by, by Brussels in, in, in the common fisheries policy. But over the last, I, I guess, the last 20 years, we've, we've been at around 2,000 vessels in the Irish fleet. And uh, that number hasn't really changed. I mean, you've seen a little bit of, of going down. We're now going to see a little bit of a reduction from yeah. from from, uh, from effect of Brexit and decommissioning. Um, but, you know, we have 2,000 vessels, 1,500 of them are the small vessels, and the other 500 are the larger vessels fishing, like what John's fishing for, whitefish, also the pelagic vessels, and then vessels fishing for other yeah. sort of shellfish species. I mean, the, the characterization of, say, the, the big ones, be they Spanish or Russian or whatever they might be, is they're out there with massive nets, they're trawling the seabeds, they're destroying what's actually on the seabed, and all the stuff is, it comes in, and at the other end, you get fish fingers in a packet <laughs> on board the ship. How real is that? Well, I mean, if you if you take our own large fleet of vessels in Killybegs, there are large pelagic vessels fishing for mackerel and, and herring horse mackerel and things like that. They're very, very efficient vessels. They have a very set quota. They're very, very tightly controlled in what they can land. Um, and they, they, you know, they, they, they are very good at what they do um, and they catch in a short time. If you look at all the other larger vessels fishing off our coast, all of them have legal entitlements to be there, but they're monitored by our Navy, by the Sea Fisheries Protection Authority. The Minister um, seemed confident this morning that we had the resources uh, to patrol our seas. I'm not sure we have. There are, we have a, we have a, proportionally, we have a, a very large area to patrol. Yeah, um, and, and very few vessels. Yeah. But we do have quite sophisticated, or the, the control services have quite sophisticated technology now, um, vessel monitoring systems, like an eye, in, uh, an eye in the sky sort of um, approach and um, there's an electronic um, logbook systems in place as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it is a difficult challenge, um, you know, regulating fishing at sea, but, you know, technolo as technology moves, it, it gets easier and gets, you know, less labour intensive. Um, it's not perfect by any means, but, it, you know, it mm. does... It is much more sophisticated than it was. Now, I, I seem to be majoring on the Russians, but we don't, and the EU does not have any control as to what they might uh, do out in the ocean. Is there any danger that these kind of massive vessels, beyond the control of uh, the EU, are interfering with uh, fish as they travel to spawn, for example, salmon, that they could actually cull those mm. before they can come back and, and replenish their own stocks? Well, when I mean, the 200-mile... EZ around Ireland, I mean, that is European waters, and again, that is fairly well regulated uh, yeah. throughout Europe. Once you go out beyond 200 miles, you are a little bit in the Wild West. Um, there are, you know, there are um, fisheries commissions um, put, set up to try and manage and regulate those which Russia and Faroes, Norway and other Iceland are, are members yeah. of, but it's a much, much difficult, much more difficult job. Um, and certainly, you know, you do see the likes of the Japanese um, fishing for bluefin tuna outside yeah. our 200 mile limit and they are obviously intercepting the fish before it gets into into European waters and following migratory patterns there so it it, it, it does happen um, but it's it, it, it and it's but it's much harder to monitor and much harder to control 
Um, now, there are technological developments which are happening all the time. Uh, I mean, fuel, as John was saying, is, is a major feature. And there are uh, new nets that have lower drag and therefore take less energy to tug along. Yeah, I mean, the fishing industry is, is, is very similar to, to, to every other industry that, that needs fuel to, to, to run on. Um, we're looking at, you know, biofuels, looking at alternative um, propulsion systems, diesel hybrids, um, fully electric engines and, and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, the systems around that. Uh, there's several vessels actually that came into the fleet um, in the last sort of eight to ten months, which are now, you know, hybrid, have hybrid engines, very sophisticated generation systems on board, which actually are from Irish technology um, is where they come from. You also have the you know the major net makers in Ireland who are very, have become very good at at, at, at at designing and constructing trawls that are very low drag, very fuel efficient, but also are are quite selective in in releasing small fish as well. So, you know, a lot of the technology is moving on. I think that you know the the focus will be on obviously fuel efficiency and carbon emissions going going forward, but. We're not there yet, but but you know the technology is moving fast in that in that direction. Uh, a question on my text screen: uh, What about the overfishing of crab and lobster in Donegal? Stocks are being depleted rapidly. That's uh, from uh, Miko or Miko in Donegal. Yeah, I mean we we're aware that you know there are there are issues on, in those stocks, and and there are discussions going on at, at governmental level, and through the the National Inshore Fisheries uh, Forum, you know looking at the measures that that could be taken and put in place. And I think the minister is, is is keen to come forward with 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 various initiatives on the management of those particular stocks, because there 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 is certainly an issue at the moment, and it's 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 trying to get agreement of how best to manage in the future. Now we're coming to you from the Irish Skipper Expo here at the University of uh, of Limerick, uh, Caroline. The the uh, extent of the stuff on display here is quite phenomenal. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it? It's we've got everything from. Uh, gear manufacturers to modern technology and everything in between and lots to see lovely to see lots of young families here and children as well so lots to see and i saw outside um there is a a smallish uh, hmm. trawler there's also the irish coast guards uh, mobile control unit to to manage yeah. uh, it could be towed to hmm. particular locations when there maybe is a difficulty at sea a disaster hmm. or whatever and they set up there so everybody in the marine uh, area is here today that's right and we have our coastal training unit outside which uh, goes around the various ports uh, to provide training to fisher and also an aquaculture remote classroom where children can learn about aquaculture and where their food comes from and have a virtual reality experience so something to see for everybody something for everybody mm. and it's ongoing here at the university of limerick in the sports uh, complex my thanks uh, to caroline Bickell, the ceo of bim to dominic rean economic and strategic services director at bim and uh, a man with a long fishing heritage in his family john lynch john thank you one and all for joining us on the program the pat kenny show with aviva insurance weekdays at 9 a.m on news talk